We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me here today as well. Not actually with me here, because I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Martin's at the uh, home of Pinnacle. They're in, I guess you're in Madison right now, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Martin's in Madison, but because of the, um, the miracle of technology, it's like we're here together. And we'll be with you for the next however long we are. Prepare yourself for this to be, uh, we're already calling this the ADD um, edition of the uh, Mind of My Money podcast. We haven't talked in a couple of weeks. Um, I've had stuff, Martin's had stuff, but we're here today and we'll cover a lot of things. On uh, Thursday, September the 9th, hope you're having a, um, a great week as you get ready for the weekend. We appreciate you making us a part of your week. I'll tell you real quick that I'm, like I said, I'm in the Clark Ford Studios Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line, there's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop your quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling down whatever roads we end up taking, tell the people a little bit about what's going on at Pinnacle. Yeah, uh, man, we are, you know, it feels like, well, because it's true, I was going to say, it feels like for the last six months, we've been talking about this conversion. Well, that's because we've been doing it for, you know, the last six months. And it is, uh, man, we are excited to be getting close to the end. Um, There is light at the end of the tunnel, and I am 100% positive it is not uh, an oncoming train. Um, You know, one of the things that the beauties, as you talked about, of technology is you can be in Oxford you know, two and a half hours away from me and we can have a conversation and people otherwise would not know that you and I weren't sitting right next to each other, you know, in a studio. And, um, you know, a lot of our clients this, you know, this year and last year have really embraced, uh, you know, meeting virtually, um, you know, some of the time, I don't think anything will ever replace 
you know, face-to-face meetings and, you know, at least occasionally. But, um, but that's been, that's been a huge game changer for us, even for our industry is, you know, still being able to do the planning for folks and, you know, do it through a screen share and, you know, in a zoom or, or something like that. But, um, man, I'm, I'm happy we're kind of getting back to whatever quote unquote normal looks like. We've been seeing a lot more people in face, you know, are in person face to face. And, um, you know, and I think that's also comforting for folks that, you know, and, and we've had great markets the last couple of years. Um, but you know, like it's kind of getting a little bit choppy. We've been a little bit worried about what's the fed going to do? What is housing going to impact my, my, you know, portfolios, you know, September is kind of a, kind of a weird month, but, um, anyway, we had some flat months this year already too. So, you know, lots of people are just kind of wanting to know, Hey, how am I doing? Am I on track? And, you know, if, if people out in, uh, our universe of listeners are thinking the same thing. Like, am I on track for accomplishing goals? And you don't know, give us a call, uh, 601-957-0323. Uh, you can email us at info at mypinnwealth.com. All right, where do you want to start? We hadn't, we hadn't talked in a couple of weeks. I know there's been a Bitcoin crash and then a, a very fast sort of rebuild. Um, the markets are, I think the markets are up a little bit today as we tape this, yet the president has a speech this af- late this afternoon about uh, the six-pronged attack on the coronavirus that's going to include a bunch of mandates that it's going to... I don't even to- know what six-prong means. That means six that he doesn't know prong. what he's... That's a hell of a fork, man. Like that's a fork. like two forks together. Because a fork, like your dinner fork, has how many prongs? Four, right? right? Four, yeah. And then you have a salad fork that's three pronged. Is that correct? I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. And then you have like the little shrimp fork that's just like the little two. <laughs> man, like to you get actually the, know to get the oyster <laughs> out of the shell. It's like a little two pronged. Yeah. Right? You're right. And then you have like a serving fork, the big fork. It's like five pronged. It's the big one that, that you don't even have to hold properly. You you can like grip it like you'd grip a club kind of and like to stick it into the meats when you cut or to serve slices of meat or whatever. So a six prong attack, I mean, that feels like the kind of fork you would need to like stick a live fish to pull it out of the water a big fish those are like but those kind of look more like pitchforks don't they and they're three usually like three or four yeah but see that's the thing a pitchfork doesn't have six prongs can you no. imagine a six pronged pitchfork yeah it sounds like it's unnecessary and inefficient oh so now you're gonna go there or look the president political? has worked really hard <clears throat> on this and um I don't know. I'm always, all seriousness, I'm always kind of scared of these big announcement days because I don't, I don't know that they're, I don't know that it's necessary. I always wonder what creates this. And I know what everyone says, the hospitals are overwhelmed and yeah, I keep waiting for us. We'll start here if it's okay. Yeah. I keep waiting for us as a society to, 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 and I, it, it's 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 maddening because we're what nineteen months into this now, or on our twentieth month, or whatever. And and um, I well, keep what is using years, like you know, like little kids. At what point do you stop saying how many months old they are? I, I guess it's at two years. It's at it two. Okay. No so, one, you never hear someone say my baby is twenty six months old. Yeah, but so you'll hear gen- you'll hear he's nineteen months old. 
But once years. he turns two or she turns two, that's that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. That makes sense. So I guess so we're still – few- we're running out of months. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I keep waiting for us as a society to put down the Republican-Democrat talking points and go, okay, we're going to have to live with this thing. It's going to be here. It's going to keep coming in waves. We need to shift our influence and our, our, our preparedness and the way we approach this. We need to shift the, the, uh, the emphasis was the word I was looking for. We need to shift our emphasis to therapeutics. Hey, here are ways that you can identify that you might have it. And here are therapeutics that you can take that will help minimize it. I'll give Dobbs credit for this. Um, the, uh, I can't pronounce the word, the uh, mono, whatever it's called, uh, uh, antibodies. Mono, monoclocal antibodies, I think is how you say it. He has been, uh, Dobbs in Mississippi, has been saying that on Twitter for months. Uh, it's just now, in the last month or so, something that you start to hear nationally about, hey, let's make those, um, let's make those antibodies available, re- readily available to people who... Um, have COVID and are having symptoms. And a lot of those people go in to get the antibodies feeling really sick. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and nine, 10 nine, 10 uh, hours later, they feel much better. And so I, 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 I give a, tra- I've been critical of Dobbs, the messaging uh, often throughout this, because I, I, I think he, he, I think he is in a state where telling the truth is going to hurt a lot of feelings. And so he doesn't want to hurt a lot of feelings on that side of the proverbial aisle, and so he doesn't. And I wish that sometimes he would because, let's get real, that's where the problem is. But then you have this messaging that came out of the CDC just yesterday, on Wednesday, as we taped this on Thursday, where the the, the director of the CDC holds up a, a paper mask up and says, this is more effective even than vaccines. And you're like, okay, now you just killed people. You, 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 you literally, there are people out there that, that are mask dependent. They, they don't want the vaccine. They're scared of the vaccine. They don't believe in the vaccine, but they believe in that mask. And now you told them that mask is going to protect you. And those are the people that oftentimes, at least in our state, I'm going to be, fr- I'm going to be frank here. They're the ones waddling through the grocery store, most at risk, depending on a cloth mask to save them. And I, I don't know why, as a country, as a society, as we approach the two-year birthday on this puppy, I, I don't know why we can't be honest. But we can't. Very clearly cannot be honest, won't be honest. It's, I'm, I've, I've kind of hit the place where I'm done with it. I mean, people say, why do you talk about it? Well, because it's, it's literally the President of the United States is going to give a big speech today that is going to dominate the news for the next 24 to 48 hours. With what he says, and I mean, you know, I'm reading Wall Street Journal today. He's going to require all federal workers and millions of government contractors to be vaccinated against COVID. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. They're citing CNN as having first reported this. So that's that's two media outlets that I think most people would consider mainstream. CNN and the Wall Street Journal says that Biden will unveil executive orders setting those requirements on Thursday as part of a broader plan to combat the spread of the coronavirus. One order requires all federal executive branch workers to be vaccinated. The other 
directs that the same standard be extended to employees of contractors that do business with the federal government. The actions go further than Mr. Biden's requirement in July that federal workers and on-site government contractors either be vaccinated against COVID or submit to regular testing and other mitigation measures. Uh, Biden, in a speech, is expected to detail other proposals more aggressively combating the uh, pandemic. He's expected to call for more regular testing for COVID-19, including in schools, to urge businesses to adopt vaccination requirements and to discuss other steps such as increasing access to COVID-19 treatments, people familiar with the plan told the Wall Street Journal. And by treatments, you're meaning the antibody treatments that we just... Yeah, I'm guessing so. You know, like like this Joe Rogan thing, frankly, Martin, really pissed me off over the last week or so. Uh, I'm, you'll have to catch me up on that, man, because I, uh, I missed the Joe Rogan thing. So Joe Rogan's a, a podcaster. Right, right. Based in Texas now. He makes gazillions. Yep. He's kind of a common sense middle of the road guy i like rogan i can listen to rogan and 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 i don't listen routinely but I, when i do listen i catch myself going yeah i generally agree with that um i don't know whether rogan's vaccinated or not i have no idea but he got covid and he did a bunch of treatments he did the um the antibodies he had iv uh i vitamins iv'd into his blood okay he um and he took ivermectin. And, of course, the media ran with that and said, he's taking horse medicine. Well, I mean, there is ivermectin for horses. And there's ivermectin for people. And he obviously took a prescription that was prescribed to him for ivermectin for people. And the media knows this. The media knows that Joe Rogan didn't go to a veterinary supply store and buy veterinary-grade ivermectin and inject it into his body. They know he didn't do that. They know he didn't do that. But they report it that way anyway. Hmm. It drives me insane. I don't understand it. And it's, but I do understand that it's just agenda. And we, the agendas on both sides are, are proving to be ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, and, and, and on the right, there's the people, before anybody thinks I'm just piling on the left here, on the right, there are people who refuse to acknowledge that the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people that are hospitalized for COVID, that are in ICU, that are on vents, are unvaccinated people. That vaccinated people uh, fare better with a COVID infection than unvaccinated people. But because we did this thing for months where basically, and this was, this was across the board, hey, the vaccine is the cure-all. Once you get the vaccine, you won't have to ever deal with COVID again. That's not true. You're going to get COVID again, but the vaccine gives you immunities and gives you essentially therapeutics to help you not get as sick. Sure. But we, I mean, won't, we won't tell that. So we, we won't say it that way. And, you know, it's like every mask study that comes out, and there have been several that have come out now that are like, hey, look, the way that we implement masks in the public with these cloth masks, they're essentially worthless. You'll get, you'll get kicked off Twitter for that. I mean, you, you'll, you'll, you, you get labeled as a, um, a loon when you say that you get the people that with me, whenever I'll say anything like that, it's stick to sports, which by the way, I can't stand. It'd be like someone coming up to you, Martin and saying, stick to money. I try stick to in your entire life. No, you don't. 
You know, no. I mean, you, you know, you know, you, there's there's more to you than that. Bruce Pearl, the Auburn basketball coach, uh, weighed in today on you know some economic stuff, talking about wish we'd get away from some of the handouts and get back to emphasizing work and rewarding work and that kind of thing. And of course, you know, he gets attacked on Twitter. You know, stick to stick to basketball. Gotcha. Why, why should Bruce Pearl stick to basketball? Because it happens to be what he does for a living. Yeah. Do, do you tell your dentist stick to teeth? I mean, if your dentist comes over and he goes, hey, let me tell you about this recipe that I found. Do you go, oh, no, 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 Dr. Jones. Stick to teeth, man. No. I'm, I'm, th- I'm no, through with my res- rant. I'm through yeah, with my I, rant. Sorry. I respect my people. I mean, I, look, I love Mustangs, like cars, not the horses. I don't know anything about horses. Um, well, if they get sick, give them ivermectin. <laughs> I just, I did not intend to open that door, but I opened it wide open. This is wide open for you to walk through. Now. It was. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, I mean, but dude, like, I, yeah, I have a lot of things that I have, I have interest in that I'm not very good at, but I still enjoy. I mean, just like golf, man. I, like, I, I really do enjoy playing golf. I think I just enjoy being outside with people. Um, and I'm really not that great at golf, but, but I'm, I'm good enough to, you know, to, to play in a, in a group. Um, and not make everybody mad. Um, but yeah, dude, like I don't, I don't give people tips on how they should hit their golf ball. Cause I mean, um, but, I but I do enjoy it and I enjoy talking about it and there's lots of things I enjoy. I enjoy sailing. Um, but I'm not an expert at that. I enjoy talking about it though. So yeah, I guess you're right. You know, if people told me, Hey, shut up, quit talking about sailing, stick to money. That would, be, that, that would be a pretty miserable world to live in. And I, th- I think that's where we are, dude, is people, people are pretty miserable and they have to, you know, cut other people down to make themselves look good or feel good. Um, and dude, I don't know. Are you watching Ted season two? Or are you waiting? Yes. No, I, I am. I'm, I'm watching it week by week. It's been, it's been really good. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, uh, I mean, and I won't say anything. There'll be a spoiler, but like the Nate arc this year. Yeah. It, and there's something going on with him. He's just he's just so miserable about something and hurt people, hurt people. And dude, and he's doing it, man. Um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of haters on Nate right now. But man, I'm I'm really interested to see where his storyline goes and his story arc because this was this was Rebecca last year, right? I yeah. Mean, and uh, you know, it's it's I, I won't do spoilers either. One of the things I love about Ted Lasso is and we are all over the place. Yeah, One of the things said. I love about it is just that because I'm a big office guy. Yeah. And people will sometimes go you know, I never really got into the office. And I'm always like, yeah, and that's fine. But had you gotten into it, you would have gotten yeah, it was funny and it made you laugh. And um you know, it it was a it was a break. And you, you know, you'd get a good giggle and Dwight would do stupid stuff and you'd laugh at it. And Jim would play pranks on Dwight and it was funny. And But at the end of, of, of The Office, and I don't feel like this is spoiler alert, because if you haven't watched it by now, you're probably not going to watch it. Right, right. The end of The Office, when it all ended, the one thing that really struck you, and I can't watch, I can't even talk about it. I'm thinking about it now and I get tears in my eyes. I can't watch that show at the end and not get kind of emotional. And the reason is they did such a great job writing 
in that show over God, what was it, nine seasons? Yep. They built so many character arcs on different people. Dwight's, obviously the Jim Jim and Pam story, which sometimes was really frustrating. Like sometimes you wanted to scream at Jim, like, dude, leave her. It's over. She's not worth your trouble. And then at the very end, she redeems herself in in this kind of way that you're like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about it from that perspective, even though I watched the show the whole time. And even Michael Scott, who disappears, he comes back, and spoiler alert, he's happy. <laughs> and and um, the way that they built all those characters is what makes the show great. It wasn't the humor necessarily. Right. It was the... The human, um, yeah, like, yeah. You know, Angela's story, Dwight's story, um, Andy's story, which they really like, really hyper focused on near the end. Um, you you developed feelings for those characters, yeah, and um, that's what they're doing in Ted Lasso. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah, what makes Ted Lasso so great is that when the show started, it was really all about Ted. Yep. Ted was kind of the Michael Scott of that show and now even though the story revolves around ted there's been several episodes where ted's not really the main character and i'm really fascinated to see kind of how they circle back to ted in some ways yeah because it feels like that's what's probably coming but like you know even like keely's character has changed i mean we're getting to know her in a in a different way and Roy's character, who, who and his that actor's brilliant, by the way. Yep, and you know he's a writer too for the show. Yeah, he's one of the writers of the show. And um, Coach Beard's character is interesting. They've they've done a really good job with you know multiple characters, and 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 you know, and I think like there's one point I thought they were going to really dive into this Danny Rojas, and maybe they will again, but they've kind of backed off that a little. And and it's they it kind of ebbs and flows, and they've let let you get to know so many characters just kind of midway through season two, and I know it's only going to be three series, three seasons. Yep. But um, that's what makes it brilliant. It's it's the yeah. it's the writing. It's always the writing. Any anything, yeah. it's about the writing. A movie, a book, anything. Um. Brilliant writing, brilliant character development is so difficult. And these guys have done it. And then the show is like my wife had not watched the show and she just randomly watched a, um, an episode with me because I think she in her mind thought, Oh, it's a show about soccer. It's a right. show about sports. It's one of these, cause she doesn't really like, um, just comedies for the sake of comedy. And I've always told her, if you'd let yourself get into the office, you'd love it. But, you know, sometimes she'll watch an episode of The Office and it's so silly if you don't know the storyline. And I think Ted's actually better than The Office because it's not so silly that you can't follow along. And um, it, it's it's really good. And it's it's been kind of therapeutic for people, I think. To, we live in this very stressful time and the 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 social media is so caustic. And, and if you watch the news, you're, you're convinced that you're, you're dying tomorrow and um, it, yeah, I it's, mean, people have enjoyed the, it. Even just the the most recent 
episode with Nate and social media. I mean, just the bipolarness of social media and like him getting sucked into it, dude. I, and that's what I, I love the show. Cause it's everyday. It's everyday people. This is us. This is the world, you know, and they're showing the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, uh, and, and, and I think also it's like, they're showing a side of, of human nature. That's like, dude, it's okay to, it's okay to not be okay. You know, don't have to have this glass, you know, uh, you know, live in a glass house and, and try to be perfect about everything. It's okay to live in a glass house and show your warts. Yeah. Uh, fine. It's a great, you know, the way you said, that's a great way to put it. It's okay to be, it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's, it, it's, it's like, um, <laughs> and I have to tell my kids sometimes with school and stuff, because there's this pressure on kids to, to make straight A's to do great. And sometimes, you know, like Carson's in this biology class at, at school, this pre AP biology that I'd fail the hell out of it. And, um, he's having a, you know, he got off to a slow start because it's high school and you don't realize, Hey, this is going to be different. And they've had a pandemic for a year and a half where you were either in a classroom or you were, let's face it, last year the teachers were like, screw it, let's just survive. I mean, because everybody was getting quarantined and some stuff was virtual and whatever. And teachers just gave kids grades. Let's, let's get real. And, um, and at the college level, frankly, kids cheated. And I don't blame them um, at all. It's resourceful. But now you get back into this, this year and um, – it's been hard and he got off to a slow start and he's been having to kind of claw his way back. And uh, he took this big exam last week and he got the grade back yesterday and it was like an 85 point, whatever. And he was like, can you believe it? And I, when I first saw his text, I didn't know, Oh, does that mean you thought you should have done better or, or you're great. And so I said, are you pleased? And he came back with, well, yeah, I think. And it was like, no, 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 it's, that's awesome, dude. I mean, I know how hard you worked and you, you know, you, you, you're trying to get that message across that sometimes as long as you do your best, whatever your best is, that's good. Yeah. That's all you can do is I'm, your best. Yeah. You, you, yeah. I, <laughs> I tell this story back when I was a fat guy and I started, um, P90X with Tony Horton. You ever heard of Tony Horton? Yeah, I know exactly who he is. Okay, well, Tony Horton, the, the first murdered with his stuff when we first got married, and now I need to go back and get murdered again because I'm I've turned into a fat boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I need to pull Tony out myself. But that first couple of days, uh, you know, it was just me and Tony. Yeah, <laughs> and I had to. T I told myself, whatever you do, you're not quitting. No matter how hard this is, you're not going to quit. And uh, you'd hear all these people go, "Man, that Tony Horton's such a geek." such a goob and I could see why people would say that, but I'm like, it's just me and him and he can't really see me. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to listen to Tony and I'll never forget it. When he'd say two things, he'd say, just keep hitting play and do your best. Forget the rest. And when you first hear it, you're like, Oh, that's so cliche. But then you'd start seeing results and he would always say, write it down, write it down, go write it down. And so I'd go like, all right, you son of a, and I'd go write it down. And um, sure enough, three weeks later, instead of being able to do seven push-ups in 20 seconds, you could do 12. 
instead of being able to do two pull-ups, kind of, you could do three pull-ups and then you could do three more with the chair helping you, whatever. And you'd write that down and you'd see results. And now you're starting to listen to him. And so now when he's like, you know, just do your best, forget the rest. And you'd be like, okay, that's because my best is getting a little better each time. And and I don't know. I'm, again, this is, we, we told you guys this would be the ADD deal, but I've, I've had to get that across to him and my other kids who are in college and college is hard. And sometimes the, the process can be overwhelming. And you're like, look, at the end of the day, just do your best. Whatever that is, is what it is. No one's, no, very few people are ever going to have their high school transcripts uh, held against them after getting out of high school. Yeah, well, getting into getting into college and then no one no one asks about your high school transcripts after that. You're right, and I mean, and <clears throat> so Christopher's a senior, you know, this year, and and we're doing all of the college stuff right now. We're doing the applications. You know, he's re, retaking ACT, and his sister is a freshman. And so she's getting acclimated to, you know, just like you said with Carson, you know, it's, it's high school is different, um, you know, and then she has, you know, she's got things going on. It's funny, like her social life is in kind of disarray. And, and I think I've said this before too, is like, you know, and I'll say it again, cause I don't mind at all. The thing I love about, you know, Ted too, is they're actually, you know, Ted was real resist is real resistant to therapy and, you know, and talking to someone. And, and I know that there's some deep trauma in there. And I wonder if it's all around his dad, because I think with most men, you know, the father wound is where, you know, our traumas really radiate from. And some men don't have that. I know I do. Um, and I've tried not to wound my own kids, but I probably have. But so circling back, you know, Bella is, you know, she's been she sees a therapist regularly i mean i see one my wife sees one christopher uh does not he has it at points but um you know it's like it's like we're always slowly reconstructing something and with christopher you know there was at one point in time where you know his ninth grade year in high school he had some real big social struggles and um you know we made some adjustments and and those things he fell into the right place and everything was going to be okay. And I told him, I was like, dude, everything is going to be okay. Just, you know, you, you be you, be authentic, you know, do what you got to do. And Bella's, everything was firing on all cylinders for Bella. She didn't have any issues at all. And it's like now it's like there's been a role reversal. It's like I feel like I'm constantly, constantly uh, fighting some battle with, you know, with with trying to make sure my kids are, are squared away and taken care of. But then, man, there's a lot of things I can't help my kids with. And it really does take you know, a therapist to, to kind of help them work those things out. Cause they're not going to tell me everything and they need to, they need to tell somebody, they need to tell somebody everything that can help them with those tools. And dude, a lot of our kids today, um, you know, especially with the COVID stuff, mental health is, has been damaged. Emotional health has been damaged. No and, question. And no um, question about it. And there's going to be a lot of really broken kids that are not going to have the tools. You know, fortunately, Unlike Ted, um, I've th- like therapy has been tremendously helpful with me, you know, working through traumas from my past and processing and not letting those things just be a cycle over and over again. And so I believe in it. So I put my kids in it whenever, you know, whenever they have, you know, traumatic issues or things that happen and they need to deal with it. And 
I think hopefully my kids will be will be healthy adults, but man, we're gonna have a lot of, you know, health, unhealthy adults, which may, you know, I know you referenced a story earlier when we were just talking pre-show about, you know, the disparity between men and women, um, you know, enrolling in universities. And man, I think you're gonna have a lot of broken dudes that don't know what to do with their lives and a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And so they just do nothing. Um, and, and sit in a, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I have been as vocal because people will say to me, you and I've talked about this before. People will say to me, man, why are you so vocal about COVID and stuff? Why are you, why are you just, just put your mask on and shut up. Here's the truth. I'm going to leave my mask off and I'm going to talk the lat. No, here's the truth for me. Financially, pandemic's been good to me, man. I'm going to be honest. Pandemic's been good to me. We've created revenue streams. Uh, people couldn't go to games. They still watch the games. Yeah. Um, so we provided content. We provided watch parties, pregame parties, uh, shows, postgame shows. I didn't know that, man. Um, yeah, no, we did all sorts of stuff. Uh, we'd, you know, we'd have this watch party. We sat and watched the game and talked about the game while people watched the game on their screens. We'd sync up our TVs with people in the stream. And I mean, we did great. I mean, I've grown my business during the pandemic. Um, I mean, from a pure selfish standpoint, gosh, I hope it never ends. Now, I'm not a selfish person. I mean, I've said this to people. People don't believe me when I say this. I don't go anywhere in Oxford. Mask mandate doesn't mean anything to me. I don't go out. I don't go anywhere. I mean, I really don't. I, I, I don't. I don't go anywhere. So if the worst thing I have to do is is put on a mask for ten minutes to go into the grocery store, whatever, five minutes to walk in and buy a bottle of wine, okay. I mean, yeah, for me, a mask is absolutely a minor inconvenience because I've got I've got one of these uh, fake mask things that you can breathe through anyway. It's black; nobody can really tell, and doesn't matter. It's not. It's not. I mean, I know it's not helping me, but. I've had COVID and I'm vaccinated, so I'm not particularly scared of COVID. And so for me, having to put on a mask for 20 minutes at Ole Miss on Monday to go to a press conference, is, it's a minor inconvenience. It's a pain in the ass. I think it's stupid, and I'm one of these people that common sense kind of runs my day, and so I think this is dumb, and so I, it frustrates me a little bit, but it's no big deal. But I hate that my son has to wear a mask for eight hours a day. Yep. I hate that he has to go to school and try to learn biology and geometry and world history wearing a mask. Um, I, I, I hate that we subject kids to the absolute hypocrisy of, so when you go to a restaurant, you have to wear the mask into the restaurant, but once you sit down, you can take it off. But at school, once you sit down, you must keep it on, except when you all climb into the cafeteria together and you all take it off to eat and talk and Makes no sense. It's utterly stupidity. Utter stupidity. I mean, it, it, it's, it defies all logic. But we put him through that. I hate it because he's almost 15. And like a lot of 15-year-olds, hormones are raging, which means that mm. your face is trying to break out and you're wearing this mask all over your face all day long and then coming home and trying to clean your face and treat your face. And, and you're also playing soccer where you get super sweaty and all of those things. And you know, all of that stuff can take its toll on how you feel about yourself and your appearance and all of that. And, and, and yeah, so for me personally, I don't care. But for society, for my kids, for the uh, most people, and then I understand there's a lot of people that, unlike me, they 
See, I get to talk to people like you, right? I mean, you know, I say I don't talk to anybody, yet you and I are sitting here having this conversation. Um, I, I talk to Chase Parham every morning for an hour and 15 minutes on the Oxford Exxon podcast. I'll do, I'll do a, a post-game show where I take calls and I talk to people. So I say that I don't socialize, but I do. I just socialize in a completely different way than, than other people. And, and, um, but there are people out there who need to socialize. They yep. need to go to the bar and sit with their buddies and have a beer and um, watch the Cowboys game and talk about the game. And, and th- there are people that that is, without that, they would be wrecked. And so I, I do get really sensitive at the people that are like, oh, we have to close the bars. We have to close these restaurants. We have to, we have to shut down. So which life means more than the other? I mean, that's what drives me crazy about it. So I don't even know where I started on this thing. I just kind of went on my little rant on it. But you're absolutely right about therapy. Um, there's there's a lot of people out there that need someone to talk to. And, and yeah, I, I'm, I've been, frankly, sort of pleased with the way, as someone who's been to therapy and, and, and benefited from therapy, I've been really pleased with the way that they've introduced therapy into Ted Lasso yeah and shown how it's not super easy right and then also there were you know with Ted too especially we have and I know his is with traumas with his wife as well but then you have like if you just look go back to Colin and Danny Rojas you know who first saw Dr. Sharon uh, and and had some benefits had and then you know with with Colin especially and you know and I wonder there's there's a lot more to Colin we don't know as well. You know, there were some comments real like quick people. Some people probably pick them up. Some people don't. But things like he said with like, you know, when they were bringing introducing the banter, you know, dating app. And he's like, oh, is that like Grinder?" And I'm like, OK, wait, hold on. Is and Bella is the one that was like, Dad, that's, you know, that's a dating app for same sex. And I'm like, oh, OK, because I thought Grinder was the other one that where you just, it's a hookup app for, but she's like, no, that's hookup app for same sex. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I'm like, how do you know, <laughs> how do you know this stuff? But kids seem to know everything uh, about social media. And well, yeah, so, kids, kids these days have a whole lot more thrown at them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, and, and so I, I, I love that there's, they've showed that, Hey, there are benefits to it, but then there are people who are resistant who will never step foot into a therapist, you know, office because of you know either a past experience they had with a you know therapist where that didn't go well and I've had that too you know I've I've I had some therapists that it just didn't work but I just found someone else I moved on until I found the right person where I mean dude just like me I'm I don't think that I'm the you know that I'm the financial advisor that's going to work for every single person because my personality type may clash with someone else's personality type and they may say hey you know what? You may be good at your job, but you're not good for me at your job. And I'm, I don't take offense to that at all. So I do love how they're working through it. And, you know, and I can't wait to see where it goes with, with Ted and Dr. Sharon, because Ted's got, there's some darkness in there, man. And, and, um, you know, and I'm wondering, and I don't, I, don't, I can't remember if you and I have ever even talked about it, but there's comments where like Jamie and Ted were sitting at the bar when Jamie was asking to come back you know, to, to Richmond and, you know, and Ted, you know, was talking about his father and, 
you know, and he said that his father was harder on himself than he ever was on, on Ted, you know, and then when, in episode eight last year in Diamond Dogs, when they're throwing darts, Ted's beating Rupert in darts, you know, he says that he threw darts with his dad every Sunday from age 11 to, to when he died when he was 16. So I like put all these things together yeah, and I'm like, something's coming. Yeah. I'm like, did Ted's dad like, and in my mind, and this is not a spoiler because this is just me opining. I'm like, did he commit suicide? I've wondered that because I, I, I'm like, Ted, you, they've, they've created very subtly. Yes. In, so, this, in sort of the way that you, like people like you and I would get to know one another. They've, yeah. They've suddenly, they've, you know, kind of, as the show's progressed, as Ted has begun to trust someone, he might tell someone something a little bit more. Um, you know, like his relationship with the owner, where like she's begun occasionally to turn to him, yeah, and become concerned for him, and, and they go back and forth. It's it's right, and it's why I like and, the show so much. I think is the show is is pretty reflective of of life, and but oh. they're doing it in a way where it's not in your face. It's very subtle. Yeah, I mean, and it's. That's why I said, like, every, there, we have everyone in the office has a character. And that's why I was like, man, this is life. Like, this is our our office is playing out on, you know, on Ted Lasso. Um, Personality wise, is it's, it, dude, it's, um, I know we said it was going to be an ADD show and we ended up really making it a, a Ted show. But really, I was really talking about more about therapy and just using Ted. And I think that's, you know, I think there probably is going to be a lot of, of, of fallout going forward with the impacts of how people deal with, especially our kids, you know, and maybe it is showing up in enrollments and in universities. And that's, you know, I am one thing I'm grateful for, for Christopher. Um, you know, I've never pushed him to say, Hey, Oh, you have to go to a, you know, a four year school or anything like that. He's looking at junior colleges. He wants to continue playing soccer. And, you know, there's no division one soccer in Mississippi. I think the closest is uh, Memphis is the closest division one soccer program, but, but he's really looking at schools for, you know, the things he wants to do. And, and, uh, you know, he won't have it easy, man. And I'm kind of, this sounds awful, but I'm kind of glad he won't have it easy. He's gonna have to work for it. And, you know, we've set him up to have success, but, but I can't do the work for him. And, you know, and I won't do the work for him and I'm not a helicopter parent and I let them fail. And, you know, both of my, both of the big kids, I've let them fail pick them up and you know and carry on with them versus try to go in and save and rescue that's they a hard need- it's a hard thing to do it is it's man. really it- hard to to let your kid fail yep it's really hard Good when, form, when you can save them when you can go in and you can uh help them and handle it that's why you know like carson got off to a bad start and it was like hey man i mean at the end of the day now, I mean, I can help you, but you got to do the work. Yep. And so instead, you know, and, and it's turned into kind of a bonding thing. He brings down his world history and because I'm one of these morons that went to college and got a journalism degree. Let me tell you how much a journalism degree is worth. And then in journalism, there are so many elective hours. I'm sorry, literally, I will get, I will get, a, I used to get a few of these every year. I don't get them anymore because I guess the word's gotten out. There, someone will say, hey, my kid is interested in journalism. I was wondering if you would give him some advice. I say, yes. I'm like, okay, what would it be? Don't. Don't do it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say And they just that. look at you. I'm like, don't. It's a terrible field. There's no money in it. 
if you're a free thinker, it might be even harder. No jobs, you know, et cetera. Go if you if you insist on going into journalism, do a double major and get like an get go get your MBA or something, or go to law school or something like that. But um, <laughs> I also got a history degree because I had all these elective hours and I love history. And so finally, finally, thirty years later, my history degree is paid off because. I can sit down there and I can take the notes that he gets in his history class and they just they just take notes, man. So they just take notes. And and I can make the notes um like tell a story. Tell a story and make him interested because history's fascinating. There's nothing more fascinating than fascinating than history. And um, you know, like yesterday we were talking about Napoleon and the French Revolution and some of that stuff and and, you know, I was like, Henry the 16th. And I'm like, you know, he's just reading these facts about Henry the 16th. I'm like, dude, they chopped his head off. The king, imagine how big of a story it would be in America if we executed the president. I mean, imagine that's what they did. I mean, it was crazy, right? And, and he's like, oh, yeah, because I didn't really thought about it like that. I'm like, yeah. So this was, you know, imagine if there was news and social media. Imagine Twitter with Napoleon, you know. I mean, how big of a thing it would have been. And um for a little guy. Yeah, five foot two. <laughs> little dude, man. <laughs> little dude made himself the emperor. He just goes one day, hey, I'm the emperor. That's, that's who I am. Um, hey, speaking of um, of expectations and such, you mentioned this in the pre-show. This this cracks me up. And I think it cracks you up too. It cracks in, in, a, in a sad way. Not a happy, not a happy laughter way, but like a what'd you think way. Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah, remember when Dennis Green was the coach of the Cardinals and they lost to the they lost, they blew a game to the Bears and uh the Bears were pretty good that year and Dennis Green said they were who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. I do remember that. This is from uh Dateline Kuwait City Wall Street Journal. The Taliban's <laughs> the Taliban's or as uh Biden says, the Taliban's Taliban's newly named interim Afghan government, which includes former leaders ousted 20 years ago by the U.S. invasion and members of the Al-Qaeda-linked Haqqani network, dashed international hopes of providing more representative leadership, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Thursday. Quote, I think the whole international community was hopeful that they would be as inclusive as they said they would be weeks and months ago, but we've not seen evidence of that early on, Austin said. On Tuesday, the Taliban named a transitional government and declared the restoration of their Islamic emirate three weeks after claiming control of Kabul. The new cabinet elevated the traditional hardcore of the Taliban leadership and was made up almost exclusively of ethnic Pashtuns. The interim government also excluded women and other political factions, prompting protests that were violently dispersed. I'm not laughing, but I'm laughing. Yeah. How naive did you have to be when the Taliban sat there? And this is where the, the, the Trump part of the conversation is difficult to completely sort through because Trump is so um, rhetorical and Trump, you know, hey, we had a meeting. It was a great meeting and I really got my point across and it was the greatest point and they they heard the point. No one's ever heard a point more. (laughs) And better. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're like, 
It was I, a bigly point. It was a bigly point. And you're like, well, I don't doubt that you told them. I don't, and I don't doubt that Trump told them, hey, look, we're going to pull out of there. And um, I know where you sons of guns live. And if you do anything, I'm just going to blow you up. Yep. I don't care. I will drop bombs on you. I will, I will, I will detonate the whole place. Will rain hell on your head. Yeah, I don't doubt that he said that. And I don't yeah. doubt that the Taliban looked at Trump and went, you know what? He might be telling the truth. We might ought to chill a bit. Yeah. I don't know. He's cra- Hold on one second, Martin. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. I'll call you right back, okay? Yeah. Sorry. You still there? Not either. Huh? Don't edit that out either. Leave it. I'll leave it in. People can hear it. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't doubt that Trump meant that. That being yeah. said, that being said, what's interesting to me is I also don't doubt don't don't doubt that the Biden team, in this case Lloyd Austin, and those guys, when they said, "Hey, we're we're going to abandon the the airfield and we're going to get out of there." I don't doubt for a minute that they kind of told the Taliban, hey, we expect you guys to be more inclusive. And I don't doubt for a minute that the Taliban looked at him and went, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll be inclusive. We're going to be nicer this time. We're going to be better this time. We're going we're gonna to be nice to women. And it's uh, gonna, As they're gnashing their teeth. And then here they are, I mean, just killing everybody, just lighting things on fire, um, doing, doing what the Taliban does, and then we act surprised. Like, are you even a little bit surprised that this has happened? Because, I mean, on the surprise scale of 1 to 10, I'm having a hard time getting to 1. Yep. If I was a gambling man, I would have put my house and my entire life savings on that the Taliban will be exactly who we think they are. Yeah, and, when, and, and by the way, in this story where it says protests that were violently dispersed, that is the really nice way of saying they just killed everybody. They murdered everybody, yeah. Violently dispersed, meaning there was bullets flying and blood flying everywhere. Or they just took the helicopter and, you know, and hung them all by their necks and flew them around town parading them underneath the helicopter. Because I saw a picture of that. Yeah. No, it does not surprise me at all, man. I mean, it's kind of like the the wolf with the sheep clothes on going, oh, yeah, yeah I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm not going to eat sheep this year. Not, you're not, be, not this week. Uh, yeah. This time you're going to be a sheep. And they're like, yes, sir, we're going to be a sheep. And then we leave and then they eat <laughs> the entire plot. Well, that's like the guy with the, with the I guess it's the Food and Drug Administration or whatever, what Biden's guy yesterday that, that holds the press conference that says, you know, other than beef, pork, and poultry, prices have kind of stayed the same. <laughs> so, I mean, you're like, uh, you you do know you're immediately going to be ridiculed with all the Mrs. Lincoln jokes. I mean, other than other than that, was the play okay? <laughs> other than your husband dying, was the play good? I mean, you know, great. I loved it, except for all of the red liquid I was covered in. Yeah, I mean, well, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, how was your trip to Dallas? <laughs> yes. I, it, it's it's mind-boggling. And someone goes, well, you don't have to have those products to eat. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't change the fact that the cost of, of 
when the cost of gas has gone up and the cost of food has gone up and the cost of goods have gone up, it's inflation. I mean, you can't you can't talk it down and go, oh, well, it's it's not real inflation. I mean, it, it, you could become vegan. It's like, well, yeah, but that, that's not exactly what most people are going to do. They're going to pay extras. And and speaking on the gas front, um, you know, oil is is kind of down off of uh, off of the highs, but we haven't seen a whole lot of movement in gas prices. And I'm sure that, you know, it'll be said because of Hurricane Ida and, you know, all that stuff. They had supply issues with getting fuel in. But, um, you know, we'll see. We actually haven't even talked since Ida. Uh, I think we dodged a bullet on that one. Anyway, not trying to take more ADD paths and rabbit trails. Yeah, I, I do think we, we this part of the state and stuff dodged a bullet. Louisiana got hit hard, and then it ended up doing a lot of damage in the Northeast, sort of surprisingly, I guess, to me. Yeah, no, and, and when I said we, I, that's what I meant was yeah. like the jack. Because, I mean, it looks like it was going to be hitting us worse than Katrina, and Katrina was awful here. I mean, I was braced for... We were going to be, you know, two, three weeks without power. Same same deal as Katrina. Gas prices going to, you know, $4 a gallon. I'm grateful that didn't happen. What else you got, Martin? Anything else you want to touch on? Since I I feel like I went on, like, multiple rants. I feel better. I feel like I just got out of a therapy session. You therapy know? session, I, that's right. I mean, and, <laughs> you know, and it's funny, you know, when Ted and Rebecca are – uh, telling each other, you know, well, you don't need therapists. That's what you've got friends for. And then he's like, you know, do you have anything you need to talk about or get off your chest? And she looks at him, she's like, nope, you. And he's like, nope. And then they <laughs> run off. I'm like, all right. That's why, I, you know, I have my buddies, but dude, my buddies don't want to hear all of my, and they can't help me process my trauma stuff. Let me ask you this. Curious as we finish, finish yeah. on kind of a somber note that's along those lines. We're coming up on the, we're roughly the same age. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yep. I was 31 years old. It obviously shaped my adult life. Um, I'm sure it did yours as well. I remember I, where I was, man. Yeah, I remember everything about that day. Um, it's like my parents, the Kennedy assassination. They remember everything about that weekend. I remember everything about that week. That weekend, I mean, I was covering Auburn at the time. They were, they had just finished beating Ole Miss on that Saturday. I was Eli Manning's first year as Ole Miss's starter, and Ole Miss had come back and made it a, a really competitive game. But Auburn held on and won. And then uh, they were getting ready to go to LSU on on that uh, that Saturday. And for me, that was good news because when you live in Mobile and you cover Auburn, uh, LSU was the closest campus, closer to Auburn, closer to Mobile than even Auburn was. Hmm. And so I looked forward to that because I was going to get to go home and I wasn't going to have to go to the game until Saturday and I was going to be able to come back after the game and I was going to have more time. We just had our first child. Campbell was uh, three months old. And um, so I was excited to get home and, and, and that happened. And anyway, my point is there's a lot of stuff out there this week, a lot of it really well done, that are uh, remembering 9-11. And going back and some of the stuff that, frankly, I don't really like. Uh, I, I, I wrote about this the other day. I, I don't like the, and I get why they do the story. It gets great clip clicks and uh, makes people feel good. They go back and they find the people who lost spouses 
that day or people who lost fathers or mothers that day. And they tell their stories about how they're okay today. And I'm glad. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I wish they'd tell the story about, hey, this is what they did. This is what they wanted to do. For as successful a terrorism, a terrorist attack as it was, only a couple of things, like a flight delay, stopped it from being even more, quote, successful, end quote. And we should remember that. And we don't do that because that's not politically correct. It's not, it's not, it's not nice enough. It's not benevolent enough. We, uh, I w- and I wish we did. I wish we made. I wish we made kids stand, sit in school on the anniversary and watch. Not just the planes hit, but frankly, what happened in the thirty minutes to an hour after those planes hit. I wish we made them watch it. I really do. But anyway, I catch myself watching these retrospectives and and you can get in a dark place quickly and yet at the same time I feel guilty when I just turn it off because the people that this most personally impacted, they they didn't have the benefit of just turning it off. It's they've something they've had to live with it on for yeah. twenty years. Well have you been to the nine eleven? Museum and Memorial? I have not. So the last time that I was in New York was um, like 2006, 2005, and it was not yet. It was it not yet built. Yep. Man, it is. Um, I've, been so to I've, the, I've been to the site, and I actually went to the site um, not too terribly long after it happened. And, and, you know, remember how powerful just the. Two huge holes in the ground. Just the holes in the ground, and there was still, um, you know, like trash, if you will. And, um, you know, it was still, there were a lot of, at that point, there were a lot of the the, the handwritten um, tributes and stuff that were against the wall. And it was one of those deals where, you know, you just, you just cried. You know, you just, everybody cried. I mean, we all, and, and you know, you just, among strangers, you just would read the stuff and look at the stuff and the the magnitude of it would hit you and, and you would be overcome with emotion and you'd sit there and cry among fellow strangers who were mostly crying. And, and yeah, I remember that, but no, I've not been to the museum. I would like to go. It looks like it was incredibly well done. It looks like it, um, it is, it's very powerful. It is very emotional. Um, and I, I took, so Christopher has not been to New York yet, but I took Bella, you know, uh, uh, prior to COVID and we went to the museum and, you know, and she was studying all this stuff and they studied in their books, but I'm like, you need to feel it to really understand. And dude, and they have video footage from, like you were saying, the 30 minutes to an hour afterwards. And some of it is pretty, pretty intense. And, um, you know, and they have the video footage of the folks who are, you know, above the flames in the tower having to make decisions of, you know, do you jump or do you burn? Yeah. You're going to die. You get to pick how you die. Both ways to die are very painful. Yep. Both ways to die are going to be very alone. You, and a lot of those people had young families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, fr- you imagine what must've gone through their minds and, yeah. and it, it's infuriating. And so sometimes when there's a, tendency on some to gloss over some of that I, I i get i get pretty angry it's um 
man, if you ever get to go back to to the city, uh, it's a it's a tough one to do because it is very like it's very well done, uh, meaning that it's just raw. Uh, they didn't stage or pageant anything. It is just raw. It is fire trucks that are bent and mangled. It is the building bent and mangled. It is videos. It's phone calls. Oh, dude, the one that the one that tore me up was the flight attendant on <clears throat> um, on the United flight that crashed in Pennsylvania. You know calling her husband to tell her kids, you know, that she loves them because she knew she wasn't coming home and dude, and it's her voice and you can hear it. And it's just, dude, it rip, it'll rip your, rip your stomach and your heart right out of your, you know, out of your body because it's like she knew what was happening and she knew she was, that was going to be the last time they ever heard her voice. Um, and they have, you know, you can hear, you can hear it. And that's, yeah, the magnitude there is, it's a very somber, you know, very hard museum, but man, it's real. And, and I'm glad that they didn't, you know, make it just flowers and sunshine and, you know, the ray of hope that, you know, America will rebuild and survive. It's like, no, this was, this was awful. And Christopher hasn't gone yet. Gia is too young (laughs) to experience that right now. But, uh, but Bella, Bella and I had that experience together and I think she has a, much greater understanding for, you know, the magnitude of it than even Christopher does because he's just seen it in a book. Powerful stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. It's one of those things I actually think you, you owe it to those people to go and to honor them. So, um, indeed, yeah, it's one of those, one of those kind of deals. Well, hey, uh, on that note, <laughs> I probably had a long show too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on that note, have a have a great, um, have a great weekend, and. Um, Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks to all of you for making us a part of your week, as we always tell you. Sorry for some of the delays, but, you know, life happens and things happen. But we uh, will try to be back with you again next Thursday with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Don't forget it's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.